Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, and welcome to the happy hour. And today I'm joined by a new friend of mine, Amy Crouch. And we talk about a new book that she just released called My Tech Wise Life, Growing Up and Making Choices in a World of Devices. Her dad, Andy Crouch, wrote a book about their tech wise family a couple of years ago. And her and her dad thought, this is a follow-up. This is for teenagers. This is a book about what it feels like to grow up in this type of family and how it's important. Today, we talk about how we can actually talk to our kids about safe and healthy social media habits, which was super appealing to me as a mom. But we also focus on real human connections and how important those are. And then we had a great conversation about Sabbath and how we can rest in God's creation and see how much bigger God is than we are. Whether you're a teenager, college student, or a mom, you're going to get something out of this conversation today. Guys, before we get to the show, I want to remind you about something that we're doing over here at the happy hour. My husband, Aaron, and I are super excited about a project we have coming up called the Marriage Challenge. Here's what we know to be true. We love marriage. God loves marriage. It is not the ultimate thing for Christians to be married, but it is a beautiful gift that we have. We also know that 2020 was hard on a lot of areas of our life, and one of it was our marriage. A lot of people that I've heard from have also said, man, 2020 was hard for our marriages. And so we want to go into 2021 fighting for our marriages, cheering on each other. So we want to do that together. We want to do it with you. So we've created a marriage challenge and it's easy to join. You can go to erinandjamieivy.com. There's all the information there. We'll link it in our show notes as well. We'd love for you to join us every single month. We're going to bring you a conversation that we have with another couple who we believe has good things to say about marriage. In fact, in January, we had a conversation with our friends, Zach and Jenny Allen, and they talked about prioritizing your marriage and planning for a good marriage. So go to erinandjamieivy.com to hear that conversation after you join. We're also going to give you date night ideas, conversation starters. It's going to be a lot of fun as we walk through 2021 together fighting for our marriages. Guys, enjoy the show. Here is my friend, Amy Crouch. Amy, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you so much. This is great to have you here. And I was telling you before we started recording that I think you might only be the second or third like active college student that we've had on the happy <laughs> hour. And all the college girls around the world are screaming, thank you, Jamie, for bringing one of ours up. <laughs> so welcome to the happy hour. And you are now representing all of the college girls. So thank you. Oh, yikes. <laughs> I'll do my best. Um, super exciting. Uh, introduce yourself to our listeners real quick. Hello, I'm Amy, Amy Crouch, and I'm the new author or co-author of a book called My Tech Wise Life. And the reason I say co-author is I actually wrote it with my dad. So it's written with my dad, Andy Crouch, about growing up. And as the subtitle says, growing up and making choices in a world of devices, kind of how do we make decisions about technology? How do we live wisely in this world, which is just swarming with devices? But um, I'm also a college student. I'm a junior at Cornell. I'm studying linguistics, but also like I love studying anything. So pretty much whatever I can fit into my schedule. And yeah, I just 
pretty much have done my best to think about useful things and I'm trying to just share my story and hopefully the stories of people my age too. I love it, Amy, and I'm so glad you're here to have these conversations. These conversations are important to me because I have technology. I have four teenagers and so I'm in this world as a parent. I'm also in this world as a consumer. I do have a question for you though. How's college been in a pandemic? Have you been at home or at college? So last March, everything was going fine. We were like, oh, everything's normal. And then we all got sent home with, I think, three days notice. It was just told to go home, leave campus because of safety. And so the rest of that semester was all online. It was over Zoom. You could really tell our professors were also struggling so much, even as we were also really being challenged. So that was crazy. And I actually decided that I would take this past fall semester completely off. So I took the semester off and I just did an internship. I worked. So I don't really know what to tell you because I feel like, you know, professors have really figured things out more this past fall, but I wasn't there. So I will find out this spring what it was like. And are you going to be doing online or are you going back to campus? I'm going back to campus and we're doing kind of a hybrid model. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because I think about teachers and professors and how much they've had to pivot. I mean, everyone's had to pivot, but they've had to pivot so much. And, you know, I have four kids, three of them are in high school, one's in middle school. And I'm just so proud of the way their teachers are handling it. You know, here's what's funny is though, one of my kids, my oldest, who is 17, got COVID in the fall. I know, right? It was so sad. Got COVID in the fall and then stayed home. But because they were doing online school, he was able to keep up with all his schoolwork, even being sick, which is so crazy. And Amy, he never went back. He basically loves online school. And I'm like, you are so funny because most people would be dying to get back to school. And he's like, I just love it. I can get all my work done. I think he's going to thrive in college because he's just like, I'll get my stuff done and then go back to my life. So He's online and the other three are back at school. That's so interesting. It's so interesting how people are different in that ways. Okay, so you wrote this book, My Tech Wise Life, Growing Mm -hmm. Up and Making Choices in a World of Devices. And you read it with your dad and I read it. Thank you for doing it. It is wonderful. And I actually thought before I even started reading, I was like, okay, how can I get my kids to read this? And in the opening, you were like, you're reading this because you want to or because your parents made you. And so (laughs) there might be a lot of parents of teenagers that are buying your book and saying, hey, can you read this, please? But I want to go back back to start. So why does a, you know, a late 19-year-old desire to write a book about technology and help other people with that? Where did that come from for you? Well, it starts with my family. So my, I have one brother and then obviously my mom and dad. And my mom and dad were very intentional when my brother and I were growing up about how to use technology. I kind of talk about how it was a lot of small things. Like we didn't have a TV until I was at least like 10. You know, my brother and I didn't have smartphones until high school. Those kinds of small steps. But I think what what kind of set that approach apart is Timothy and I, my brother and I, were really involved in that decision-making process. My parents and I had a lot of conversations about how we could be really intentional and kind of use our devices in a way that helped us rather than hurt us. And then my dad decided to write a book about that. So a couple of years ago now with, you know, families have just been really saying, what do we do about these devices? And so my dad wrote a book called The TechWise Family, which was just about what our family had done, the ways that we more succeeded, but also, you know, the ways that we'd struggled and just trying to help families navigate this very complicated and challenging situation. And 
you know, I'm really grateful. We're all really grateful for the way that that book reached a lot of families and parents. But my dad and I both felt like there's something missing here, which is the perspective of what it's like to be a kid right now, Mm. to be growing up in a world that is changing so much in every way. And so uh, we really started to feel like a follow-up to that book would be appropriate. Speaking to people my age, speaking about the stories of people my age, not only me, but also data of teens all over America. And I think for me personally, I just wanted to say, like, we can do something about this. We don't have to accept technology. You know, we don't need to accept the norms that our smartphones, our social media, our video games are kind of imposing upon us. We can make our own choices and we can be involved in like community decisions towards, yeah, a good life with technology. I love it so much. And, you know, I'm coming to this conversation as a mom who's trying to navigate this as well with her kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you said that data shows that people your age, you know, older teenagers are really seeing problems with the technology and they're seeking a change. And I found that to be very interesting because our family went on a vacation over the holidays. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times when we go on vacation, we will say, you know, no devices. We did this for the first time, Amy, last Thanksgiving, we went to Mexico with our family and and my husband and I, you know, you check into like a, an Airbnb or a hotel and they have like the Wi-Fi password written down. <laughs> well, we like steal it. So our kids can't even find it. Like you can't even get on the Wi-Fi. But so last smart. Thanksgiving, we did no phones and it was one of our favorite family vacations ever. And we mm. just did it again in January and we did no phones, no devices. My husband and I deleted Instagram off our phones and we came back and I remember everyone, you know, we got back from vacation, we got home. Everyone loaded everything back on their phones. Mm. And one of my kids said to me, I really enjoyed that week of not knowing what was going on. And I feel that way when I'm off of social media for a while and technology. And so I like that you're saying that kids are actually interested in this. Now, here's my next question to you. Mm -hmm. They're interested in it. They know it's a problem, but I think it feels to them and I don't want to put words in your mouth or any young person's mouth so you can push back on this. I think it almost feels maybe that it's impossible to live without Is that a true statement that you think some people feel? And then how do we even talk through that? I think this is something that can be kind of hard for adults to understand is like, this is real life. The online world and the world of our our phones and technology, that's not some add on to quote unquote real life. Like the world on our smartphones is the real world. Mm. And so it can feel impossible to unplug and to step back because it feels like you're missing out on something really important. And I think there are a couple ways to approach this. First of all, one of the things I say over and over in the book is that this particular book is not about like throwing your phone out the window. I mean, maybe that's good for some people, (laughs) but it's not the point of this book. The point of this book is to look at your own life with discernment and ask, how is technology affecting me in good ways and bad? And how can I move towards a healthier way of living? And so it's not a world of rules. So I think that we can say, yes, devices are really important to the ways that we live. And maybe it's not realistic to give them up completely, but we can take small and real steps toward something which makes us happier, closer to each other, to our community, to God. I love that. And I think sometimes even for adults here is you almost don't understand that that can actually happen until you try it. 
because you're right. Technology is a part, so much a part of our life. And I mean, I don't leave the house without my smartphone ever because yeah. I yeah. can check my email. I can connect to friends. I can look at my calendar. I can do anything I want from that phone right in my hand. But I think you sometimes don't realize how you can do it until you have that time away from it. You know, I guess I want to tell you this story too. <laughs> Recently, our two youngest in ninth grade just got Instagram and my oldest, who's a junior, has it as well. And now they're wanting Snapchat. Okay. And so I was feel bad when I talk about my kids on the podcast. I'm not really talking about them. I'm talking about me. And my husband, Aaron, and I have said, no, no, no. And one of the things that we had a good conversation about when we were on vacation this last time, we were talking about technology and, you know, that's something that we try to do is have conversations about it. And we were asking our kids, what is it with Snapchat? Like, what is it? Because mm-hmm. me as a mom, I'm like, Snapchat is evil. <laughs> and my kids are like, everything we can do on Snapchat, we can do on Instagram. And so they're trying to explain it to me. And one thing they said to me, Amy, which you kind of touched on this just now, is they said, this is a new way for how people communicate. Mm-hmm. They're like, they said to her, so like, mom, dad, you guys text. Our friends talk to each other on Snapchat. And so I guess maybe even... How would you encourage parents, you're looking at me, who's a mom to teenager, how would you encourage parents to have these difficult conversations with their kids about when should you have Instagram? When should you have Snapchat? What is Twitter? What is, I mean, all the things that our kids are asking for. Can you kind of speak to us a little bit as parents and encourage us in how we take these, what feels like to us, very big steps of allowing our kids to have certain social media apps? I think what I would say is these should not be one-time conversations. It shouldn't just be, you know, your child comes to you one day and says, I want to get Snapchat. And you sit down and you have one conversation. What I really, really hope to encourage is for families to be having conversations about technology, maybe not every single day, but just as a daily, weekly act of getting to understand one another. Like, I think that at the dinner table, whether your child has Snapchat or Instagram, you should be asking about what is it like communicating with your peers? You know, how are your friends talking to each other? Are there ways that you feel left out? Are there ways that you feel included? I think that we should be having conversations about all of our devices in an understanding that they, I guess the way to put it is like our devices influence us every single day. So we should be having conversations about them every single day. That's And I do understand that it can feel kind of to parents like, oh, this new thing, suddenly there's Instagram now and there's Snapchat. But I think that's exactly what talking regularly with your kids will prevent. You'll get a better sense of what it is like to be great growing up right now and maybe be able to understand where they're coming from in in asking for these types of social media. It was so good for me when we had those conversations because I just had the worst view of Snapchat ever. And again, (laughs) I'm still not even 100% sure about it, but my kids explaining what it means to them, it really helped me. And I think one thing I try to do as a mom, which I fail a lot at, (laughs) is to remember that things that were a big deal to me as a teenager my parents probably didn't understand. And so to try to be a little bit more empathetic with my kids about that. Okay, so I want to talk about, you said something in your book that was like so good for me and for teenagers as well. So I'm going to read a section from your book, okay? It's on page 31 if you have your book, Amy, and want to follow along with what you actually wrote. Here we go. You said, if you feel disheartened or disconnected by technology, you're not alone. In fact, Mm -hmm. teens who use technology a lot are more likely to say that they don't have someone to turn to for help. Our devices aren't helping everyone connect and they aren't making everyone happy, which is a lie that we sometimes believe whoever's Mm -hmm. using social media. You said, in my experience, social media is one of the biggest examples of this. It's promised to help us document and share our lives is true, but it can also bring pain. 
The thing is, when we try to document our lives, we start to notice that our lives are not always the best documentary material. Some people avoid this conclusion. Their stories take five minutes to tap through and give us plentiful information about their bus ride or second cousin's third birthday, but they're rare. This is the part that I underlined. You said, our lives aren't always camera ready. They're full of dreary, ordinary moments we don't especially want to remember 20 years from now. Moments of exhaustion and sadness and frustration. By the standards of social media, our lives are pretty poor. And I remember reading that and I thought, man, I know a lot of women who struggle with this. And so I want you to tell me from a teenager's perspective, mm-hmm. from a young adult perspective, because I know this from a parent, parenting teenager's perspective of sometimes you just feel like, everyone must be awesome and Mm -hmm. I am not awesome. What is that like for a teenager as they scroll through Instagram, throw Snapchat, all the things? What is that like and how are you helping them to kind of turn from that and not believe those lies? It's so tough. I feel like in some ways, man, if you told me to design like the most painful and difficult thing to give to a teenage girl, I would say some kind of platform where they could scroll through and see everyone else looking so good. I feel like that is one of the biggest struggles of being a teenager and especially a teenage girl is figuring out who you are, figuring out who other people are, just It's so hard to understand and to feel comfortable with other people when you're a teenager in some ways. And I think the real challenge of social media is, I think social media is about creating a brand. It's about creating the version of yourself that appeals most to an algorithm that appeals most to the people who are seeing it. You're given the opportunity to create the version of yourself that you want to be that you want others to see. And that is so powerful. It's so tempting, but is so far from who we actually are and from what real connection is. Mm -hmm. Because I really focus on this in the book. I think what makes community and friendship the most rewarding is when we're seen as people who are flawed and as people who are deeply imperfect and not loved nonetheless. It is one thing for somebody to look at a picture of you that's so perfect and pretty and say, oh, you're amazing. But it's something else for a friend who knows how much you mess up and how so far from perfect you are to say, I see all that and I love you anyway. Mm. And that is the gospel, really. And so I think that social media perhaps can be used in a way that's healthy, but it needs to be... I think that we need to be focusing so much more on the cultivating the kinds of friendships which produce real love, Mm. focusing on connection with people who know us as we are. And only then, maybe, should we be turning to social media. Mm. That was a very big picture kind of thing. And I'll say more practically, I think that steps like deleting social media apps from your phone, setting, you know, screen time limits on when you use them, even choosing sometimes not to take pictures, even to post them. I think we can take those kinds of small steps to really help, but it all has to be grounded in this understanding that we're lovable, not because we're perfect, but because we are humans created in God's image. I love it so much. Amy, on that vacation I keep mentioning, we uh, celebrated one of my kids' birthdays a little early. And the restaurant that we were at, I mean, they brought not only like sparklers in him, they brought us sparklers. I mean, it was like, (laughs) looked like a wedding festival, just the six of us around this table. And 
on vacation, we oftentimes don't even have our phones with us. And I, no one had a phone. Like, yeah. also, it's hard to order a restaurant these days when no one has a phone. <laughs> They're like, can you scan? We're like, no phones. We're on vacation. And they had that celebration for my son. And I left and I thought, I didn't even get a picture of that. Yeah. And one of my kids said, it's okay, mom. We have it right here in our memory. And I was like, look, I almost started crying just now because that was such a special moment. Mm -hmm. And my kid reminded me, like, I didn't get a picture of it. And honestly, I wanted a picture so I could put it on social media. Yeah. You know? And so I now have to just keep that memory right here in my brain, even though it would have been an awesome picture. Let me tell you, it was so (laughs) cool. I love that. And I'm grateful for that. It's one of the things that has been the most difficult for me in handing Instagram over to my kids is because Mm -hmm. I understand how Instagram works. And like you said, it's like building a brand. And my Instagram, I'm not ashamed of this. It's public. I use it so much for my job. And so there are so many things that are on there for a purpose, you know, to talk about podcasts. It's my job. And I have started in the last 2020, especially when COVID hit, of thinking, I want to take pictures for myself. Like I want to take pictures Mm -hmm. for myself and not just for the world. And that's been a challenge I've given myself. And I think that would be good for other people to think through as well. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams. Now celebrating 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams is the originator of everyone's favorite Lux Home Blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort, as its ultra soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are each made with premium materials. Get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code PODCAST15. You talk about something in here that I would have not associated with the tech wise life, Mm. but I'm so grateful that you did because it is 100% associated with the tech wise life. You talk about Sabbath. You talk about resting. You talk about the act of putting things down. Sabbath is not a new word. It is a word that God designed for us. And so talk to me about why Sabbath is important and why you think it matters to be a tech wise person to spend a day Sabbathing. I love the Sabbath. All of my friends 
friends will tell you I am a Sabbath evangelist. Like I tell every single one of my friends, I'm like, have you considered taking a Sabbath? And they're like, yes, you've told me. (laughs) But I really, really love the Sabbath. And it is the fourth commandment. And I don't know if that should make us feel sort of guilty, but it should tell us that God really cares about the Sabbath. And, oh, there are so many incredible ways to think about the Sabbath. And there are almost too many angles at which we can kind of analyze it and understand what it is for us. But I think coming at it from the tech-wise perspective, Sabbath is an opportunity to be small. Sabbath is an opportunity to rest in God's creation and know that we are not responsible for the world turning. And I think one of the most challenging things about technology is that it's all about me. My, you know, every social network I'm on has an algorithm which is literally designed for me and me alone to give me the pictures or the blogs, whatever, that it thinks I would like the most. You know, our devices are constantly pushing notifications to us because every single email is urgent and, you know, something horrible will happen if I don't respond right away. You know, that is not actually the truth. We are important. The psalmist, you know, wonders. We're just a little lower than the angels. That's amazing. But we're also so beautifully unimportant. And I think the Sabbath is this incredible, amazing opportunity to just see how much bigger God is to see how beautiful the world is that he created and to understand that we don't need to be always on or always being catered to in order to truly be bearing God's image. So good. In fact, I was, when I was reading your book this weekend, I went through my phone, Amy, and (laughs) turned off every single notification that I possibly have on my phone because I was realizing Man, my phone tells me everything. Anytime a new CNN article comes out, it pops up on my phone, which I love reading the news, but I'm constantly picking up my phone to see the news. Mm -hmm. My ESPN app, all the teams I follow, anytime (laughs) anyone wins a basketball game or anyone signs a new player, it comes up on my phone and I see it. And I realized when reading your book too is that those notifications are always there. And it made me think even more about the Sabbath and the time of resting from even the technology. Now your family has done Sabbath for years. And so I want you to tell us how you guys did that because a lot of mamas are listening going, okay, that's cool, Amy, you're 19. How do I do Sabbath with my seven-year-old and my 12-year-old? Like, Mm -hmm. what does that even look like? Well, so... I think Sabbath is one of the most precious gifts that my family gave me. And I think my brother would say something similar. I cannot emphasize it enough. I think that keeping the Sabbath is perhaps one of the, mm, I don't know if I would have survived college Mm. without keeping a Sabbath. Wow. And that is because of my family. But I will say it was not some perfect every single Sunday. We like put every device in a little box and did no work. Absolutely not. I mean, there was definitely, there were times of chaos. There were days when we failed and needed to do work on the Sabbath. There were days when, even though we weren't actually doing quote unquote work, we were still all checked out, not really connecting, not resting deeply. And so the Sabbath should not be yet another standard to hold yourself to. It should be a gift that you kind of 
accept knowing that it is greater than you. Mm. And so practically, I honestly don't remember too well what we did with the Sabbath when I was really little, like kind of elementary school, although I'm sure that it was quite chaotic for my parents. (laughs) But when I was in middle school and high school, it was something that we talked about all the time. Like my parents would ask me on Thursday and Friday, hey, are you going to be able to get your work done in time for us to take Sunday off? It was something we're always talking about. We were always kind of living our lives knowing that there was going to be this day of rest. And I think that that kind of preparation was really essential because Mm -hmm. if the Sabbath day kind of comes as a surprise and you're like, oh no, I have to just not do any work, then that's really difficult. But if you're preparing, if you know that you're going to take this day as a, a holy day, then you really can get ahead of it a bit. So I think my very practical advice for parents would be start talking about this like on Monday. If you're taking Sunday as a Sabbath, Uh start talking on Monday. Hey, how are we going to live our lives Monday through Saturday so that we can take the day off on Sunday? And when you say take the day off practically Mm -hmm. for parents and families, what did that look like for you guys? Like when you take the day off from like, because I know in Jewish culture, you know, I have some friends that lived in Israel for years, like Sabbath is legit. Everything's closed. You don't go to a restaurant. You don't go to a grocery store. But what did that look like for you guys? What did that mean to take the day off? That's a good thing to pull up because we were not at all legalistic, or I don't want to say that we did not have strict rules is what I'll say. Right. And I don't think strict rules are inherently bad, but it wasn't the way that we did it. So like sometimes, oh my goodness, my dad, most bizarre thing about him is he loves to clean. Uh And so he will clean on the Sabbath. I personally, maybe not so much. (laughs) Maybe that's not my Sabbath activity, but we take off from work that's either school or, you know, my parents' jobs. And then when it comes to technology, we also, I won't say we go totally screen free, but we try to be free of distraction from screens. So we might watch a movie together, but we're discouraging just like sitting on your phone or watching Netflix alone, something like that. And so it's really no work and no screens except in the context of like community. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting because when I think about, you know, like the Ivy household on a Sunday, you know, people are getting last minute schoolwork done. Mm -hmm. I might be doing some work too if I have some downtime. And so I like the intentionality that you're talking about, that we're not just going to say on Saturday night, hey guys, tomorrow, you know, we're Sabbathing. Here's what it looks like. I would get a lot of angry uh, children at my house if I threw (laughs) that at them on a Saturday night. But if it became even kind of like a a conversation piece, you know, and talking Mm -hmm. about... uh, technology, just to encourage parents as well. There was uh, a couple of years ago, I read a book and it escapes me what it was, but it was about kids and technology. And we did, I want to say it was a month, maybe three, surely not three. How would we have survived? Look at me. (laughs) I think it was like a month of no TV, no video games. I have some boys who love video games, no video games, no TV, nothing. And there was a lot of grumbling at the beginning. And by the end, Mm -hmm. it was fabulous. By the end, everyone had not just accepted it in a weird way, but they were enjoying it, you know? I mean, everyone, when we were done with it, was happy to watch their show or get back on their video game. But just to encourage parents is what I'm trying to say is it might feel difficult at the beginning if you do a screen Mm -hmm. fast or if you try to implement Sabbath. But over time, you get used to it, might I say. I mean, would you agree with that? Yes. Oh, this is such a good thing to bring up. Yeah. I mean, along obedience in the same direction. Right. This living tech-wise and really just living wisely 
it's going to start out difficult. Taking on any kind of discipline is challenging, but the point of the discipline is that it becomes kind of accustomed to it. And instead of something that's outside of you being imposed on you, it becomes something that comes out of you by the grace of God. Like, okay, so here's the thing. I was way worse at keeping the Sabbath when I was still with my family. And then when I got to college, I was so much more consistent. And I still enjoyed the Sabbath when I was in like high school, but I had a lot more conflicts with my parents about it. I struggled with getting stuff done in time. Mm -hmm. And then when I got to college, I realized, oh, this is something that I can choose to do out of the grace that God has given to me. It's not a rule that's just being imposed from above. It's something that can like grow out of Christ within me. Mm. And so... I think that for my parents, in some ways, it was like kind of a late return on investment. You know, they had to We're deal all with- holding out for those, Amy. Exactly. We're all holding out for those returns. They had to deal with me grumbling in high school. But you know what? Now it's so, so central to my life as a college student. And I mean, it's too bad that we can't have, you know, instant gratification. Yeah. But I think that life is not about instant yeah. gratification. And we can really have hope that disciplines now will turn into joy later. I love that. Disciplines now will turn into joy later. And I think even I look at my own life and like you said, anything that I have to be disciplined about, it usually doesn't start out easy. It usually starts out very difficult, one step at a time, make mistakes, you know, two steps forward, one step back. And I've also found too, is that when my husband Aaron and I are honest with our kids about our how technology pulls at us and how we mm-hmm. desire it sometimes more than we want, I think it's really good, like you said, to have those conversations ongoing and for us as parents to acknowledge, I feel this too. It might look yeah. different. I'm not drawn to that game. on. Well, I am. I love Toon Blast. If anyone knows, <laughs> I love that game. But I'm not necessarily drawn to sit and watch Netflix on my phone like my kids might be drawn to. But I'm drawn to check my text messages, my email. You know, why am I checking email Saturday night at midnight? Who's emailing me? Nobody. Nobody's <laughs> emailing me at Saturday midnight. But I'm drawn to to pick up my phone and see what it says. And so I think even those conversations are helpful to have mm-hmm. as kids and parents. Amy, I'm so grateful for this book that you and your dad wrote. It's grateful. I would say, as a mom to hear from someone who understands my kids. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, I know why you guys wrote it is to look out and say, hey, this is hard. And so let's hear from someone that is one of us. And that is you. So grateful for you for doing that. I want to ask you this. What are you looking forward to in 2021? This is, you know, we're, you know, 11 days left in January. And what is 2021 bringing hope for you? What are you hopeful for this year? Well, this has been a hard year. (laughs) Um, And I think there's this quote, which I feel like is from Eugene Peterson, but it may not be. (laughs) Are you an optimist or a pessimist? He says, I'm neither an optimist or a pessimist. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And that's sort of how I'm feeling right now. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know if like happy, cheerful things will happen this year. And it's certainly not impossible that more really painful and awful things will happen. But hope kind of can exist beyond whether each day's circumstances are cheerful. And so I think I have really been trying to hold on to that and say, you know what? It's not just about whether things I like happen. 
no matter what, I'm rooted in this truth that the Lord has risen. Mm. So that's my very philosophical answer. (laughs) But more specifically, I'm honestly so excited to learn more about the world of quote unquote digital wellness, living in a tech wise way. Because, you know, while I was writing this book, I was reading a lot of resources and, you know, listening to people who were thinking about this kind of stuff. But now that I'm in the stage of kind of spreading the message of the book, I'm meeting all of these people, I was going to say in person over Zoom, <laughs> right. who are really doing amazing things. Like I'm meeting people my own age who are as fired up about this as I am. And that is such a good thing to see. It's not just people my age, it's everyone. There are so many people who think that this is really important Mm -hmm. and that we can kind of take power back from technology. And so that's been so encouraging. And I'm really looking forward to continuing to meet people in this space of digital wellness. I love it so much. Well, we're grateful for you and this book. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater. And this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams. Now celebrating 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams is the originator of everyone's favorite Lux Home Blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort, as its ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are each made with premium materials. Get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code PODCAST15. What are you loving these days? Like, what are you reading? What are you loving? Tell me some of those things that are making you happy and excited. So the thing that immediately comes to mind actually is my family has a wood stove. So we used to have a fireplace, but then we put in a wood stove. And I'm realizing if you have lots of listeners from Texas, you might be like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I will say this, Amy. Today we're recording this. We had massive, and I use the word massive snowfall here. And when I say massive, I mean massive for Texas and Austin, Texas. It was a fun snow day here. Yes, I heard about that. But anyway, up in the frigid Northeast in (laughs) Pennsylvania, where I am right now, my family, we have a wood stove and pretty much every night we've been lighting a fire and just curling up around the stove. Sometimes we like read out loud to each other. You know, sometimes we're all like doing work if it's on a weeknight. And that has just been so sweet and so good. And there's something truly magical about sitting next to a nice toasty warm fire when it's cold out. And what else? I've been making, I love to cook. And so I'm on winter break right now and I have been cooking up a storm for my family. We made this delicious eggplant couscous, which was really yummy. I've also been making a lot of bread, which I know is a thing that people are joking about with the (laughs) pandemic, like, oh, baking bread, but it is really good. And my friend gave me this recipe for hot chocolate, which is basically like liquid pudding. And it is miraculous. Okay. You're going to have to share that with me because my kids love hot chocolate. 
It, it's pretty amazing. I'll, okay. I, but I have to give her the credit. Give her the credit and then give me the recipe <laughs> so I can have my kids make it. Amy, thank you so much for coming on the happy hour. Thank you for being a voice about this TechWise life that you are advocating for, that I am believing for as well and fighting for in my own life and my kids' life. And just want to encourage parents that are listening is that this is not impossible. It may feel difficult. It is not impossible. Mm -hmm. And anyone else that has a smartphone, which is probably every single person that is listening to our voices, <laughs> It is not impossible either. It might be difficult, but it is not, not impossible. Amy, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. So good to talk. Friends, thank you for listening today to this conversation with Amy about her book, My Tech Wise Life. I mentioned in the conversation that I read a book a couple years ago, and then our family went on a screen fast. And I want to tell you that book, it's called Reset Your Child's Brain, a four-week plan to end meltdowns, raise grades, and boost social skills by reversing the effects of electronic screen time. I enjoyed the book. It led our family to do a screen fast. And so we'll put the link to that book in the show notes. In fact, just a reminder, everything we talk about is going to be linked in the show notes. So if you hear something, don't worry if you're driving. Driving, we put it for you over there and you can find this show at jamieivy.com. Don't forget our marriage challenge. We would love to have you join us this year. It's free. It costs you nothing. We'll send you monthly emails and we will help you fight for your marriage this year. Guys, today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper. The music for the show is written by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Abby Castell. The whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Guys, have a great week. Have a happy hour with a friend. Share the show with a friend. I would love that. And I'll see you guys back here in a couple days. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. <laughs> 